Fresh Air Production. Hi, and welcome to Fresh Ears. This is the podcast that we created at Fresh Air Production to help anyone who's thinking about creating a new podcast for a brand or business. We do that by looking at a different branded podcast every week. We talk to the client and the producer, reflect on how it came about, why they did it, and what everyone learned. Hopefully, by having this conversation, we can shine a light on exactly what's involved. For this episode, we're looking at a series we're very proud of, a niche audience and an often taboo topic. It's rewirement from Legal in General. Well, let's go into more depth about some of the particular issues that you see for the LGBTQ community who are reaching retirement age and have to navigate their way through it. What have you noticed and what are the particularly strong messages we can talk about now? Well, we've mentioned water. That, that's the loneliness and isolation thing. I think the other thing is the, uh, the interface that everybody has to, you know, navigate as we get older and that, that's health and social care, you know having to uh, be open about your life with people that you don't know who might come into your house to give you personal care or, you know, when you go into hospital to be assumed that you're heterosexual um, and for people to treat you as if you are and to talk about, you know, to ask me if, you know, where my husband is or, you know, anything like that. It's really, really tricky. And in fact, for our communities to, to face those difficult situations quite often, you know, it means going back in the closet, which is not a good thing. So why would Legal in General use podcasting to speak to an audience about planning their retirement? To talk about this, we've got Millie Hyde-Smith, who's the head of PR and content at Legal in General, and Aaron Catherine Kerr, the senior producer from Fresh Air, who ran this project. Hello, both of you. Hello. Hello. So, uh, Millie, let's start with the basics then. Why did Legal in General decide to make a podcast? Thanks, Neil. So as you point out, I work in the retirement division of Legal in General. So there were two prompts to do in this podcast and both came from some insight from research. And the first was we had done some research just before we approached you guys, which was it showed that people were not engaging in retirement planning. They were, we found out they're actually spending more time choosing their next bathroom or a car than making a decision on their retirement future, a decision that could impact them for sort of decades. So we needed to find new ways to get people interested in the topic. And then the second piece of research is around us as a brand. We're seen very much as an expert brand. So we're, we're what's called in brand category terms, a sage, very wise and knowledgeable, but we're perhaps lacking emotional warmth. And I wanted to do more content that had a strong element of human interest and was um, empathetic. And I'd also seen some research around podcasts and the engagement and some findings around the human voice and stimulating endorphins and all that and the intimacy of the medium. So I thought that was really interesting if we wanted to make an emotional connection. It's a really nice combination, that, isn't it? Because audio, everything that we know about audio says two things. Firstly, emotional connection, intimacy, as you say, and secondly, depth and engagement and level of detail that you can go into because you're listening for 20 minutes, not 20 seconds. And so those two qualities of audio come together to serve what you were trying to achieve really well. Yeah, definitely. So what does rewirement mean? Is that a term that you've used before? Do you know, I, th- I can't remember if we'd come up with it just before the podcast or 
I think we'd been talking about names and the reason that we like rewirement, we also use it for our content area on the website, is because it indicates positivity and change, but in a, in a positive way. Um, and I think retirement is a big step for people. It can be hugely, not, not just financially a big step, but emotionally challenging to give up the sort of routines of work and the social connections. And people can find it really, really difficult, as some of our podcast guests talk about, actually. So we wanted to to underline that. And also retirement is, is a bit of a turn off, isn't it, as a term for people. <laughs> and also, to be honest, my, a lot of people now don't retire. I mean, retirement's almost a redundant concept because a lot of people transition into retirement, they carry on working or they take up new, you know, they do consultancy or they turn a hobby into an income stream. So there isn't that third stage that there used to be you know we used to do education work retirement and it was very clear cut and that's not true anymore so I think rewirement kind of reflects that and so we talked about the brand challenge that you have or had before we solved it with this podcast Um, (laughs) what did you set out for the podcast to try and achieve both for you and for the audience what were the objectives well to be honest the first series was a bit of an experiment because we wanted to see if the platform of podcasts would work for over 50s because there wasn't very much data on it. And of course, the numbers were growing all the time. I always sort of think podcasting's a, a bit like a sort of new frontier, a bit Wild West, because everything is changing very quickly. So we we wanted to experiment to see if it would work for the over 50s. And we also wanted to get in early in what could be an emerging market. But the other thing relates back to what I've said about brand. We are known for if you ask someone what do they think of when they think of legal in general, they'll probably say insurance. Um, And that's great because we are an insurance brand. We do that very well. But we're also a growing provider of retirement products and solutions. And we need people to think of us as that. So it was also about brand saliency. We wanted people to connect us so that when they come to making a decision about their retirement products, we're front of mind. So building brand saliency was a big objective. So let's bring in Catherine Kerr because you were the senior producer across this in series one and two. How did you go about firstly interpreting that idea of getting people in a room talking about their own retirement plans? And then how did that evolve once we couldn't all be in a room together? Yeah, well, that that was a challenging brief, as you said, to start with, because what you're looking to do is create something very unique amongst a group of people that are very being very, very open in a generation that perhaps might not be as comfortable as others with doing so uh, in a public space, particularly we need to build trust with them as well so that we can then broadcast it. So there's a few hoops there in order to build that relationship. So we all got together to talk about the kind of groups that we could approach for this, because what we also wanted to do was reflect a diversity of experience. So we're looking at people who are friends, but in different age groups and with different financial backgrounds and experiences at different stages of their retirement planning. So, you know, if you're looking at friendship groups, perhaps people most likely mix with their own people who were similar to them at a similar life stage and experience naturally so we had to look beyond so we we started looking at community groups and we settled upon amateur dramatic groups choirs around the uk and what we ended up with was a a fantastic group of people who were really enthusiastic about talking to us and really open so aside from the technology millie series two 
which we produced almost exactly a year after Series 1, is very different. It's an evolution of the original concept. I think it's it's obviously reacting to some of the things that have gone on around COVID. But it's, it's more than that. We made more changes than that. Can you outline what sort of review process you had looking back at Series 1 and how you evolved it into Series 2? Yeah, I think, I don't know if you remember this conversation, Neil, but I clearly remember when we first met, we first had the meeting about doing a podcast series and we talked about how we could meet the challenge of, you know, the the demographic and the subject matter. And you said, well, we could go to an extreme and kind of do a show, um, what's called a soap opera type thing. And um, (laughs) I remember that really well because I really loved it. And I said to you, I love that idea, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do it in series one. But to me, that's that's the ultimate because it's about human interest. It's about storytelling. And I did say to you, yeah, I'm not going to get that past past management (laughs) for series one. But but we've moved with series two slightly more towards that. For me, the the. The stars are the people we use who are the real life case studies. And our experts are brilliant. They are experts. But people are not going to tune into a podcast. Well, some people like me will, but most people won't tune into a podcast about retirement planning. But we're all as humans interested in people like us and in in human storytelling. So I think that's what we wanted to move more towards that. I think the first series is a lot more around the products and the financial planning and the expertise. And the second series is about the people who are in retirement and the challenges that they've faced and how they've come across them and some of the amazing things they've done. And I love talking to our customers. I love talking to our sort of demographic base because I think if you've lived 50, 60, 70 years, you've generally got some really interesting stories you've got a wealth of experience and richness but yeah we're getting it I'd like to push it even further in series three yeah I think that's that's a really fascinating scale actually because we we were talking uh, only today about business first and audience first approaches to podcasts and the sort of business first approach for you a podcast that basically just served your interests would be to have an episode about a different topic each time fronted by an expert from legal in general telling the listener about all the things they need to consider with their retirement and the products they should think about uh, as served to you by legal in general which would be clearly very dull uh, but <laughs> might serve your interest in terms of a in terms yeah. of a brief other end of the scale is your soap opera approach um <laughs> Which I, which I'm still daunted it's about. It's your soap opera approach. It. It's my, yeah, it's my, <laughs> yeah, absolutely made it rough my own back. Uh, the, you know, the, the other end of the approach is essentially to make a drama where people are kind of being drip-fed information about financial planning, and it's a, it's about retirement planning. It's about retirement, but they're not tuning in for that at all. They're tuning in for the drama or the comedy or or whatever we're mm. serving them, and and, and yeah. the. And and somewhere in the middle there is where we are at the moment, which is real people that you instantly kind of bond with and are interested in because, you know, they're saying, oh, I I changed my life at 60 years old and went off to be a ski instructor. And you're, you're you know, you're sort of fascinated in these people. Mm. Um, and we're then, but we're adding an element of, not advice because we can't give advice but we get of information that comes Mm. along with it that helps to at least feel like you've come away with some 
action points or you've come away with something that's useful to you Mm. and as a business I suppose it means that you've kind of served that purpose too and I think what we're doing with so many businesses is trying to find where that fine line is where that tightrope is where we can serve the audience and give them something they genuinely want to listen to but also serves your objectives at the same time. I think it's for me it's about remembering the format and your objectives. I mean, it's it's never going to be an acquisition channel and I think we were really clear on that from the beginning. We're not going mm-hmm. to sell an annuity through a podcast. What we're selling is our brand and the way to do that is engagement and the medium lends itself to storytelling and to narrative engagement. So to me it's kind of that's the way to look at it. I think if someone set an objective for a branded podcast that was to sell more products, it probably wouldn't be the best use of spend. On that point, I think business first and audience first are actually the same thing. It's just that in a lot of cases, when you're making podcasts, and especially when you're starting out with the series, you have to do some development to actually understand that audience before you can fully cater to them. So it's a kind of a bit chicken and egg, but we have well, we've learned a lot about our audience already. And we're able to adapt to that. So essentially making the best, most creative program for that particular audience is something that's got the heart of the business needs in it anyway, because it's everything that you present to them will then be more compelling by the virtue of the program that we make. Yeah, absolutely. um, That's why it's really nice to have this development throughout the series to refine our offering, to continue to make it more creative and compelling. Part of that evolution in tone was the shift in presenter from Shirley Ballas to Angelica Bell. So let's talk about that for a moment, because that was all tied in with everything we've been talking about, wasn't it? What prompted you, Millie, to look at Angelica as the ideal presenter for series two? I think it's interesting because I think that for series one, we needed something slightly different from the presenter because we'd never done it before. And Shirley gave us, like, say, the sparkle and she was brilliant for that. I think why we wanted to evolve it in series two is we wanted to go to a slightly younger demographic, for one. And also we wanted someone who had more of an association with finance. And of course, Angelica Bell's the co-host of the ITV money show with Martin Lewis so there is that association in people's minds and I think some people from our from feedback we got although the Shirley Ballas is, is great and people know her and she was the right age she didn't have that connection with sort of money and and retirement so they were the kind of main criteria also Angelica is a journalist so she knows how to interview And especially with doing it online, I think we wanted someone who could build that rapport, who had good interviewing skills, because you need to do that quickly online, I think. You need something extra beyond sort of when you meet face to face. So we wanted someone who had that skill set, which she's got. She's a really great host and interviewer. Catherine, what difference did it make to you as as producer? What was the, again, how has that presenter tone moved on? Yeah, well, I think... The other thing that we did with this second series was drill down a little more deeply into very specific subject areas. We did want to take a slightly more journalistic approach. Angelica just seemed like uh, the right call. We were looking at people 45 plus this time around, potentially as listeners. And she was someone who was also approaching these questions from that side of the spectrum as well. So it added a real point of of difference. And because we knew we were recording this whole second series remotely and online, 
we were able to actually approach our presenter with that in the first instance rather than sort of springing it on someone and taking them out of the whole environment we'd set up for as we had to do in response to the pandemic. So we obviously made sure that Angelica was happy doing that as well before we proceeded (laughs) with production. And what she was able to do, obviously thanks to video conferencing, was you know, we were still able to create the uh, visual connection so that they could see each other. But also Angelica is a radio presenter. Mm. So she's been used to doing this from home. She's been presenting her radio show from home throughout the pandemic as well. So it wasn't uncomfortable for her. And when we put our presenter in a situation that's comfortable and we're not asking strange things of them, then we're going to allow them to be their best. And so Angelica was able to create rapport with each and every one of our guests, which we were able to make happen one-to-one as well. She was able to emotionally connect with them. And Millie, what sort of stuff have you created around the content as a as a sort of side effect of the podcast so we've we've obviously have an area on our website which showcases the podcast which is part of our the the bigger rewirement content area which is generally sort of content mainly around lifestyle but also retirement planning for our sort of over 50s audience in the main and we in the podcast section we have like Mick's story so Mick is the minor who faced redundancy and then retrained as a ski instructor so we have his story but in in longer form and then we also have some other stories around similar stories so for the travel section we've got a number of of retirees who have also done amazing travel adventures in retirement so we sort of built built out content around the case around the podcasts and and what did you learn about the marketing and the and the PR uh, <laughs> from series one that you've implemented in in series two? It's quite I'm different, isn't it? Because we've learned a lot. Yes. Um, I mean, as I said, it was an experiment doing a podcast, especially you know when we first thought about it in two thousand eighteen. I think when we first sort of late two thousand eighteen, we started thinking about it. So in terms of the marketing with series one, we use paid social combined with press. So we use the wonderful Sparkly Shirley to do some sort of kickoff press, which worked really well. But the paid social was a bit of a learning curve because what we were trying to do, we realised we were asking too much of the promotion. It was not targeted enough. So when we dug down into the data, what we realised was that many of our usual target audience of over 50s don't know enough about podcasts and it was too much to ask of the marketing to convert people to a new format as well as to our podcast so that was a really big learning so what we did is we we had a hunch about that and we verified it by looking at our website data which showed that we had some frequently asked questions and the top FAQ was what is a podcast so we thought okay so halfway through series one we did a pivot and we introduced in reads So therefore, the marketing only had to do one job, which was convert the audience to our podcast, not to the format of podcasting as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah. So to be clear on that, that is that's placing presenter read sponsorship messages inside other podcasts with parallel audiences. So you're, as you say, those people who hear it are by definition already listening to a podcast so they know what it is. Yeah. And I mean, I love InReads and we saw a significant uplift when we switched to InReads. I think they work really well because, as we've talked about, it's a narrative format. And what you're asking is somebody who is 
very good at that anyway. He was generally the hosts of, of the top podcasts are good storytellers. So you're asking someone that is a creative person who's a good storyteller to sell your podcast. So what could be better? And they all did it really, really well. I mean, all of the inreads were fantastic and they worked well. And, and you know, they, they believe they're the right audience to us. So obviously we're targeting podcasts that we think have a similar demographic to ours. So we did inreads for the second series as well. And we combined that with audio ads as well. So we didn't do any paid social on series two. Actually, we, we've done one paid campaign, but that's to promote our LGBT plus special episode. And that's part of our pride celebrations. So, But otherwise, it's all audio ads or in-reads. You've also made very good use of Angelica in this series as well and, and, and sort of maximising the, the PR that she yeah. can bring to it. Can you talk to us about that for a moment? What, what's the plan been there? So in the first series, we, we did a big broadcast day and we were really lucky with Shirley because at the time, because of the pandemic, there was speculation about whether Strictly would still be on or not. So everybody wanted to talk to Shirley. And I think, you know, obviously in PR, you've always got to think about the news agenda and what's topical. And we kind of hit, we hit the jackpot with that. So everybody was clamouring to talk to her. And she was brilliant because she managed to get the podcast into, obviously everyone wanted to ask her about Strictly, but she managed to get the podcast into everything. So we had really good launch PR for that. Then with Angelica, we went for a different approach. We used a specialist PR agency, specialist podcast agency called Carver. And we went for three three key interviews. We did a radio broadcast day as well. But then we've also done a lot of, more of the grunt PR, so regional little snippets, podcast of the week, that kind of lot of local radio. And I think that that's, it's not so sort of sexy as the broadcast days, but I think it actually works harder and has better results. Catherine, um, Millie mentioned just then the LGBTQ episode, and that's an example of the really fascinating groups of people you've been looking to talk to. Just talk a little bit about that research process and how you've been reaching out to those groups of people and trying to find them. Yeah, I think the other thing that we, was really important to us in this second series was to reflect a diversity of experience. At the crux of it, we didn't want to be telling the same story every time with such a strong focus on human stories. The whole point of rewirement is that we wanted to ignite people listening to it, to hear people doing all sorts of different things with all sorts of different drivers, backgrounds and experiences who are just living living the life they want, who have taken practical steps to make sure they can do that and telling their own stories. In some cases, we covered some very difficult areas as well, particularly the episode you referenced, Neil, the generation of people who are retiring as LGBT people now have had different experiences and have different concerns to another generation, maybe maybe the generation today. So we wanted to answer those questions. And actually, by creating episodes that went a bit deeper into some niche subject areas, we were able to offer a service where we were answering questions that people are asking right now in this time and to offer them information that might be useful to them in making that easier and not just information on t- in terms of planning for their finances but also resources that are aligned and I think it all adds up to if you can hear an individual speaking about their experience it makes you just feel a little less alone in anything really and that's that's the beauty of podcasting and I think that's why a lot of people will search out for these things I would just say on on the note of the online materials that Legal and General have created as well it's kind of a case study in catering excellently to your audience because 
this age group, they won't necessarily all be the, it's not the biggest podcast listening age group. So we made sure the content was available in every format so that we could reach people in whatever space they were searching for it, as long as it was digital. So we created transcripts, which are, uh, are available and, and actually making the use of materials like that to take advantage of organic search means that the podcast content can be discovered by people who are sticking those questions into Google. It's there as a resource to be used widely. And whether people come in through the website or whether they come in through organic search or whether they've been promoted to by Angelica or on social media, I think hitting all of those touch points is um, yeah, just a really great example of, of using that podcast content to maximise how much you're serving your audience and how many people you're reaching. Catherine, thank you. So let's wrap this up then with Millie, with our normal question, which is what tips would you give to anybody else if you were back where you were in 2018, considering this as a route and thinking about what it would take to make a brilliant, engaging podcast about retirement planning? What tips would you give to other people who are in your position? I think, first of all, be realistic, which is something I learned, that podcasts take a lot of resource to develop, produce, promote, and the listener numbers take time to build, especially for a branded podcast, I think. Secondly, really think about the objectives and what you want to achieve from it and be realistic. Our audience is is a niche audience for podcast listeners. And I think my last tip would be you've got to be agile and not be afraid to change because we were constantly looking at the data and we adapted if necessary. And obviously series two has evolved a lot from series one in terms of the content and the um, promotion of it. And we'll probably evolve that more for series three. Don't want to scare you too much, Neil. Um, and actually, I'd also say work... Are we doing soap operas? Do you just want to give that exclusive now? Are we doing soap operas for series three? Almost. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> oh, God. And I think I think the last thing is that work with fresh air. Oh. And I'm not just saying that. I think you've got to have a really good team and it's it, it was really easy to work with you guys. That makes a big difference because it's quite intensive in the production stage, I think, especially when you've decided to use loads of case studies like we do. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Lovely conversation. Thank you to Millie Hyde-Smith, Head of PR and Content at Legal in General, and to Catherine Kerr, Senior Producer here at Fresh Air. And if you'd like to find out more about making a brilliant podcast for your brand or business and follow Millie's advice, you can find out more about us at freshairproduction.co.uk. Fresh Air.